Hey everybody, it's Eric Torenberg, co-founder, partner of Village Global, a network-driven venture firm. And this is Venture Stories, a podcast covering topics relating to tech and business with world-leading experts. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Village Global's Venture Stories. I'm here today joined by two very special guests, Kevin Leland and Phil Taylor. Uh, Kevin, Phil, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So Kevin, you're the co-founder and CEO of Halo. Uh, Why don't you describe what is Halo and how'd you come to start it? Sure. So Halo is a market network where companies can connect directly with scientists and startups for research collaborations. It works a little bit like uh, LinkedIn recruiting solutions, only instead of companies posting jobs, they are posting RFPs around their research interests and scientists are submitting proposals. That's definitely not uh, the original idea for the business. Uh, the original concept actually was uh, crowdfunding for medical research. We, we would work with tech transfer offices at universities to identify promising discoveries and then try to connect them with donors who could fund de-risking research projects and in scale what they call the valley of death in drug development. So that original concept uh, was really challenging, but it kind of clued me in into this even bigger opportunity and, and bigger challenges, challenge. And that's that company or scientists don't just need funding. Of course, funding is helpful. They really need the resources and the expertise of, of industry. And meanwhile, I, I saw that companies were doing more and more, looking more and more externally at scientists and startups for collaborations because they were realizing they weren't as expert or as as effective at the early stage discovery research. They were really better at the the later stage commercialization stages. Uh, But the way that those two parties were connecting was completely archaic. So to me, it reminded me of what recruiting, how recruiting worked in the 90s or before the internet where you would go to career fairs and email PDFs around uh, for those who remember those days before you had Monster and, and LinkedIn. And it seemed like as an outsider that this was an obvious marketplace network solution. So that's how we pivoted and we launched in January of 2020. Uh, we work with Bear, Pepsi, uh, many other companies. Yeah. Can you give some examples of things that tech companies can do uh, or look, would look for on top of Halo? Just to more, make it more concrete. Yeah. I mean, some specific examples. Uh, right now, and, and and Phil can speak to these as well, but we worked with uh, Baxter, which is a healthcare company. It's one of the largest manufacturers of dialysis solution in the world. And home dialysis is, is great because then patients don't have to travel to service centers three or four times a week. So it's more convenient. But the downside is that Baxter has to actually ship the dialysis solution to patients every month. And it's not a small amount. They actually have to ship 900 pounds to every single patient in IV bags and boxes. And it's essentially just water. So Baxter wanted to figure out, hey, you know, imagine if the patients could make the dialysis solution in their home from the tap water. So that would be a game changer. It would be way less burdensome the patients. It would save Baxter tens of millions of dollars. The technical challenge in that is that you would have to remove the chlorine from the water. So they posted an RFP on Halo to remove for uh, technologies to remove chlorine from water because it's toxic if it goes in the bloodstream. They'd have to get rid of the mineral content, which is in uh, tap water. 
and they wanted to come up with a sensor so the patients themselves could verify that there was no was no chlorine in the water. So those are just that's just one RFP that was posted on Halo. But essentially, it's any sort of technology interest that a company might have, and and they're curious about other startups and scientists that may be working on the same exact problem. So even another kind of recent example, not on Halo, but the vaccines that were developed by Pfizer or by AstraZeneca and Moderna were based on collaborations with universities, with Vanderbilt and Oxford, and scientists that had already brought a technology to a certain level. And then they partnered up with the pharma companies who had the resources to bring it to market. Yeah. Why don't we segue into into, into Phil? Kevin, why, why did you think Phil would be interesting to, to bring on? What's the connection? Well, he's just a great guy. <laughs> Obviously, Bear is a, a giant in so many categories. Uh, we're, Bear, uh, Phil can speak more to this, but he works in the, the crop science division, uh, which came as a result of uh, the Monsanto acquisition and uh, also has huge businesses in pharmaceuticals and in consumer products, Bear Aspirin, Aleve, et cetera. And really is kind of the, the perfect partner for Halo because of that diversity of, of research interests. Uh, we were able to connect the uh, just simply through LinkedIn. I actually reached out blindly to one of his colleagues and said, hey, told them what Halo was and wanted to know if open innovation and external R&D was a, was a, a topic that they were interested in. And, and he connected me with, with Phil. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's segue to, uh, to, 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 to Phil. What, what do you... Um... What are some of the high priority projects you're most excited about, or how are you connected to this conversation? Yeah, thanks, thanks, Eric, and, and thanks, Kevin, for the for the preamble. But it yeah, it was it was great because you know external innovation and open innovation is really part of the DNA within Bayer and the Crop Science Division. We are always on the lookout for novel technologies, be they assets for the pipeline or enabling technologies to drive our R and D. And so Kevin's absolutely right. He he sort of showed up at exactly the right moment, and we were we were getting ready to run um, one of our pretty sizable or signature open innovation programs last year, and and we're looking for a new way to do it and looking for a new way to think about it. And uh, Kevin's exactly right. He connected with a colleague of mine, and and Dan actually reached out to me and said, "Hey, I think you should talk to Kevin. I think he can really help you uh, put this program together." And and what we were interested in doing was creating a true sort of open innovation or pre-competitive innovation network where the way with this works with our, our grants for ag program is we give out a handful, last year we did 24, um, $10,000 grants, mostly to academics that help them take the first step in applying a technology or applying an innovation and getting it out of their sort of purely academic setting and thinking about whether it could have an impact uh, for agriculture. And, and we set this up across our entire um, R&D landscape, which covers everything from uh, the biology and the seeds and traits that we develop within Bayer all the way through to the chemistry and, and the data science that kind of ties it, ties it together. So it's a pretty broad concept and a pretty broad call. And we were able to work with Kevin to sort of define how we would talk about that and market it and position it across, you know, very broad global um, academic network to bring applications and bring um, opportunities to us that we would then fund. And so the fun part about it, and as Kevin said, they, they launched not long really before we started this conversation. Um, it was fun to sort of co-evolve this program together. Kevin would have ideas about how we could make it better. We would have ideas about how the platform could support what we were doing um, a little bit better. And we just kind of co-evolved the work um, as we went through it. So really what it allowed us to do at the end of the day or the end of last year 
we funded these 24 projects and, and really created a really nice cohort and a mini network of, of scientists that are excited to work with us, excited to work on their projects and, and connected with Bayer in a, in a totally new way. Um, so Totally. Prior to this conversation, we were talking about uh, open innovation. Why don't you unpack what is open innovation in this context and, and how has that evolved over time? Yeah. So, so open innovation for me is really, is simply the art of saying we can't do everything. I mean, Bayer is in a, a tremendously fortunate position that we've got one of, if not the largest R&D organizations in, in agriculture, right? But it's very clear to us that given the complexity of the challenges and the, and the diversity of the applications of agriculture all around the world, um, we can't solve all these problems alone. We can't invent all the technology that's needed. And so we're very much positioned, the team I sit in, the, the strategic partnerships group, you know, it's our mission to look externally to bring that in and create those partnerships. And so it's really, for me, it's simply about saying, I can't do everything. How can I bring the best of the outside in uh, to create novel solutions for our, our pharma customers? But then it's kind of baked into that. And this is really where the work with Kevin made a great improvement is it's also about finding better ways to do that. It's about finding novel ways to interact and novel ways to partner and, and not just sort of create maybe you know, two one-to-one uh, -one interactions of, oh, you have something I need, let me license it, that's great. But create really more of an innovation ecosystem and create the sort of mechanism where actually it, it happened this week with two of our, our Grants4 awardees where they actually realized um, they had the ability to solve each other's problem that they were facing in their project and we got them talking to each other. And so we, we through, the, through the Halo work and through our sort of approach with open innovation, it's really about connecting people getting the best science done and driven in to be impactful as, as much as possible. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Kevin, what, 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 what do you find particularly interesting here? What do I find particularly interesting? Yeah, or, 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 where, where's your brain resonating when you, when, you hear, when you hear this? I mean, it's very, it's honestly very satisfying because it, it's like realizing the potential and seeing the impact of, of what started as like a, a kernel of an idea because when I initially recognized that a lot of the, this process was, was inefficient, I was coming in from a completely outside perspective. I have zero experience in open innovation before, before this in science. I haven't taken biology since high school. And I think that was actually maybe my, my superpower in that I saw how this process could be done a lot more efficiently and how some, some paradigms and how how other models uh, that have worked incredibly efficiently in other industries in, in internet-enabled platforms could work just as well here. So kind of borrow the best of the best from, from different market networks and different marketplaces to, to bring to bear what Halo is now, which is a combination of this marketplace uh, component with, with research interests from companies, as well as this network component that Phil spoke about. And then the other big component is this proposal review system that we have, which is kind of like a, an ATS, but it just saves companies like the headache uh, from having to do all of this through email and Excel documents, which is really kind of how it was being done in the past. So hearing Phil speak about uh, the benefits and how some of these connections have happened organically is, is really gratifying to hear. It's really neat too, because I think with the network component, 
you know, talk about the 24 awardees and the network we've built there. I think what's not, what's what's behind that is the fact, you know, this was kind of one of the exciting things when we were on the program last year, we actually had over 600 people apply to it, right? So the 600 proposals, you know, 500 and something of which didn't get funded, but they're in the platform now and they're connected and they're interested in working with us. And so when we go around again, or we come up with a new program or we do the next thing, it's it's ready to it's ready to launch and, and engage in those guys in you know and, and it sort of um, it keeps them in the network and my hope is that that will continue to grow and grow and grow. Can we give any more examples of uh, of of case studies or success stories here? Phil, do you have any particular ones? Half the drugs that are currently in the market were based on technologies that were developed outside of the companies. So that's just like one stark example of of how important it is for these collaborations to happen more efficiently. And a lot of the a lot of the technologies and a lot of the products that you see in market today, and this isn't just pharma, it's not just ag, uh, you know, we work with consumer packaged goods companies like Reckitt, which makes Lysol, and Procter & Gamble was one of the leaders in, in open innovation in terms of looking for technologies to bring to market. A lot of them don't necessarily like to brag about the fact that their innovations came from university scientists uh, or, or early stage startups. Uh, but in reality, that's where a lot of the breakthrough innovations are happening today. And it's because what Phil said, it's, you know, it's a law of numbers. It's obviously the thing that was part of the, the concept with Halo is to make this, make this world less transactional. So science is like very much built on relationships and it's very unpredictable. So just because a technology isn't primed right this second to be commercialized by a company like Bear. These are people and humans who are behind the technologies and they're very protective of their ideas. They take pride in them. And so if you express early interest when that technology is ready to be commercialized, when Bear can really bring to Bear its, its incredible, you know, vast resources and, and all the different areas of expertise it has to bring it to the world and make an impact, they're going to think of Bear. And that's where the like the relationship component and the network component comes in that that Phil is actually seeing the the fruits of right now. And when I think about open innovation from the perspective within Bayer, you know, almost every product that we've gotten out of the door um, in the last you know 10, 20 years has had some element of that external technology baked into it, whether it's a, a part of the chemistry or the formulation or one of the genetic elements or how the testing was done. I mean, it's really critical to to make sure that we're staying on top of that. And so the way we're thinking about it now is is really, I think about it as a as a pretty diverse toolbox that goes all the way from these true pre-competitive programs that that we're running with Kevin through, you know, R and D licensing where an academic may have um, discovered a gene as part of their research, so we'll bring it into our pipeline and we'll test it. We'll we'll see if we can advance it, um, all the way through to actual venture creation where there's a very strategic push. I think pretty broadly across the ag industry. Um, to, to actually create our own startups and, and use our own funding vehicles to get them going to allow those teams the chance to focus and to really drill down onto a particular topic, whether it's gene editing or vertical farming or some of the things that are not quite ready for prime time or really need some, some incubation before they'll be really impactful in the pipeline and actually keep them at arm's length a little bit and keep them and allow them to focus um, to really develop a set of technologies or a set of assets that can then come back into to the sort of core R&D pipeline, kind of exactly as Kevin says, 
the larger companies now sort of positioning themselves more as the the development arms than the than the sort of the basic research side. And one area where we're seeing a ton of traction, obviously the pharmaceutical industry has been working with scientists and startups for, for years, even before the, the term open innovation came to be, uh, but sustainability overall, which cuts across agriculture, packaging, uh, chemicals is uh, a huge, huge focus area now. And a lot of companies have uh, set their own goals to become carbon neutral or to eliminate the use of plastic waste. They've signed on to different pledges. And it's partly because consumers care about it more and more. And it's partly because there's now regulations that are making it impossible uh, to even create products out of plastic. And so their entire survival as a product in a company sometimes depends on becoming more sustainable. And if you want to move fast, you can't just develop these products by yourself. You need to tap into the expertise at all of the world's greatest universities and startups. And so now we have a lot of sustainability-related challenges on Halo. For example, PepsiCo is looking for moisture barriers for their potato chip and pretzel bags, basically dry packaged goods. Uh, and the reason that's important is because sustainable materials are, you know, they're great, but they're not great at keeping moisture out. So you don't want to have the potato chips, you know, seeping through the packaging. So it sounds very like tactical and technical, but it's a huge problem. Pepsi's is one of many consumer packaged goods companies that, that cares about that. And, uh, and that cuts across really any company that has a product that's in the real world. They want to figure out how can they reduce the waste and the impact on the world, how they can make it more circular and make it more recyclable. Maybe a, a comment on that from my side. I mean, Bayer, given the diversity of its businesses and the work that it's doing, you know, we've made some pretty significant sustainability commitments ourselves and, and realized that delivering on those is going to take a totally different mindset in terms of both what products we invent and sell and, and how we sell them and how we interact with our customers and, and the whole uh, across the value chain. And so one of the, the sort of untapped opportunities with with Halo, I think, over the future is going to be the diversity of companies that it's working with is really going to help us as well as we need to look at different packaging or we need to look at different product ideas from, from across industries. It's not just about the biology and the chemistry anymore. It's really about the whole value chain and, and how we're showing up to consumers as well as, as yeah. pharma customers. Yeah. Again, back whole, to the, just this sort of idea of the, the network and the ecosystem just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and, mm -hmm. and more and more and more diverse. Yeah, this, this world has become so interdisciplinary and there's so much overlap in terms of the technology interests that companies have regardless of what industry they're in. That's part of what we're trying to accomplish with Halo is to make some of these interests and focus areas less opaque so we can more programmatically connect those industry partners with the scientists who are working on the same problem. So we work with... Uh, a roofing company, which is actually a kind of a unique example where they were looking for adhesives to keep shingles on, on their roof so they don't blow off in the wintertime. Uh, and that would allow roofers to work, you know, during uh, more periods out of the year. But we actually found some interesting technologies from the medical community who had developed adhesives to keep, uh, you know, for, for medical devices. Uh, so, and you would have never dreamed of that. They would have never really thought of that before. And that's the data and the and the information we're collecting on Halo that can help make more of those connections happen. Awesome. That's a, perhaps a good place to, to wrap. Kevin, for people who want to learn more about Halo, where can you point them to? 
Uh, they can just go to our website. It's halo.science. Uh, awesome. Phil, for people who are in, in, interested in our conversation and want to learn deeper, any, anywhere else you, you'd like to point them? Yep, absolutely. If they jump onto LinkedIn and look for the, our LifeHub Crop Science uh, Showcase page, that's where we're sort of um, putting all our information out about our open innovation initiatives and programs and different ways that, that we can engage and interact. So would encourage people to connect with that or connect with me personally as well. That'd be great. Awesome. We're, we're lucky to have Halo in the in the Village Global portfolio. Uh, Phil, Phil, Kevin, thanks so much for, for coming on the podcast. Great. Thanks, Eric. Really appreciate it. Thanks. If you're an early stage entrepreneur, we'd love to hear from you. Check us out at villageglobal.vc.